Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. As I flagged, we're going into John's Gospel in a couple of weeks, so we're going to get a little bit of a... um, uh, a bit of a window into one of the chapters just now. Um, pull out your Bibles, would you? And let's go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're going to get straight into it. I've been th- sitting on, on this particular... There's a particular verse that's very um, popular amongst Christians... And I've been chewing on it for about a month or so. And um, it's, it's John chapter 10 and verse 10, which says, The thief comes to what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then Jesus says, But I have come that they might have, they might have life and life abundantly. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that uh, they may have life and life abundantly. Um, When Jesus talks um, about this, that I have come to give life, it is so incredibly true. We're going to talk about that in just a second. And John chapter 10 highlights this. In fact, the whole of John's gospel, the whole of this entire 21 chapters, you'll see some themes coming up. Oh, some themes of light and love and life, okay? Life is a very big key theme that Jesus brings up. And in John chapter 10, keep in mind that you, you don't have chapters when, when the Bible was first written, right? The Gospel of John was just a long kind of little mini book. There wasn't chapter and verse when it was first put together, thanks. It was all kind of a flowing manuscript. So we're going to pick up John chapter 10 which is sandwiched between obviously 9 and 11 and we're coming off the back of Jesus doing this incredible miracle. Jesus heals someone on the Sabbath which for some people, religious people, was a naughty. You can't, you can't do a work on the Sabbath, it's supposed to be a day of rest but there was a man that was born blind, Jesus heals and as he heals this person, these religious people, these religious nuts, these Pharisees are having a crack at Jesus and Jesus then responds with what we see in John chapter 10 which kind of flows on to John chapter 11. He then in around about verse 10 says the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. Now the thief we can naturally think that must be Satan. Well, actually, that wasn't the case when Jesus wrote this. He wasn't just talking about Satan. He was talking about false teachers as being thieves. He was talking about people that were bringing in false doctrines, false teachings. And he's saying, be careful. Now, indirectly, though, Satan works through false doctrines. We know that, right? So indirectly, we see that Satan, the enemy, works through these means, whatever means he can, particularly false teachers and Pharisees, particularly to try and... Steal, kill, and destroy. And here Jesus addresses this concept. And so now we land ourselves in this text from verse 1. I'm going to read through um, a number of verses today. I'm going to read from the ESV. It'll come up on the screens with you. But pay attention to some of Jesus' language and some words that he uses. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Verse 2, it says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they don't know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you that I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I know and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Father, would you continue to speak to us by the revelation of your Holy Spirit through your incredible word. In Jesus' name, amen. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. When Jesus refers here to false teachers, what he's essentially saying here is, um, in Jesus' day, it was common understanding that uh, sheep would be kept in what we, we might call a, a, a pen or, or, or a fenced-off area. And you would have someone at the front of that gate making sure that the sheep are looked after. At times even, there would be a mixture of sheep that belonged to several shepherds that would be looked after together. And the only way to let the sheep in and out is through that front gate but when Jesus says be careful here about false teachers false ideologies false doctrines he's he's not just speaking to them he's speaking to us today that we've got to be careful what's he saying he's saying he's saying watch the back door watch what 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 watch the back door watch the gate that that excuse me not watch the gate it's it's be careful to keep your eyes over people that might come over even the back door of your heart, because you know your door is a, your heart has a back door, don't you? What does it say in Proverbs four twenty three? It says, "Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring forward the issues of life." Guard your heart, guard it, take care of it. Which means, at moments that you're most vulnerable. Watch the back door. Moments where your heart is tired, watch, what, 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 watch, watch the back wall there. Moments where you're wrestling with anger, 
Watch the back door. Be careful what you allow into your mind, into your soul. Be careful what you then may subconsciously start believing when you're wrestling with issues of unforgiveness. When you're feeling that sense of abandonment or rejection or hopelessness or even you're feeling a sense of despair. Be careful. Watch the back door. I used to play basketball when I was at school. And, and the older that I get, the better I was, that I can tell you. And uh, what used to happen when you play basketball is we used to run drills. And in particular, we used to create um, a lot of space underneath the basketball ring. So you'd have a good player coming out by the front, by the perimeter, and we'd be running out the front and would create an opening underneath the basketball ring. And then we would run a play so that someone that was generally fast could run behind, close, and you would call it a backdoor play because you're exposed there, right? Your attention is at the front, but you would create a backdoor play and you'd call it backdoor and you would get the ball and you would call it a backdoor play and then you'd get the easy bucket. I was the guy that would like to do the backdoor play because I couldn't shoot very well from the perimeter, but I was pretty fast under the bucket. So in the same way, do you know it's possible, that's not just uh, uh, what happens on the sporting field, even in our hearts, when our attention is drawn to one place, we've got to be careful about these backdoor plays that the enemy may be intentional to try and uh, jump over, not come through the front way where all our attention is, but jump over the back wall. It may not be so obvious as someone dressed up with a hoodie or a balaclava. It's, it can often be very subtle. A gospel that might be quite different. A gospel, a message, a teaching that says, you know, you come to Jesus and you can be really, really rich. You can be so famous if you, if, if you choose Jesus. You'll be well recognized. You'll be free from pain and trial and tribulation. That's not what Jesus was talking about. That's not what he was saying. He was talking about something far richer. He was talking to people that didn't have a lot and he wasn't trying to appease them. Let's read on, it says, To him, in verse 3, the gatekeeper will open, talking about the shepherd of the sheep. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they don't know the voice of the strangers. Be taking notes. Write down this. Follow the right voice. Follow the right voice. Follow the right voice. Very important. Remember before I mentioned that at times they would, they would have a fenced-off area or a penned area. And um, there would be a, a gatekeeper. And what would happen with several groups of sheep, a shepherd would come and call out and usually make a noise give a voice, it could be a click, it could be a whistle, but the sheep would know. In fact, some sheep would, would know their calling by the name that was given to them. Literally, shepherd would name the sheep. 
And so if you had a shepherd that would come and give a call, then the sheep that were familiar with that call would come out to the shepherd, then the shepherd would take them and would go. And then the other shepherd would come or another shepherd would come and give a different call. And as that happened, all the sheep would recognize the voice and then move on. Now, this is exactly what Jesus is saying right here. A shepherd will come to the gate and recognize the voice of its own shepherd. But did you know that in our lives we have so many voices that are trying to compete for our attention? Constantly. Constantly. And, and, and see, what's so important for us to remember? We all have these voices calling at us all of the time, but we've got to learn to hear the voice of the shepherd. How can I learn to hear the voice of my shepherd if all I'm ever doing is allowing these distractions to take my attention, my affection, my adoration away from him? So here is a call to create space in our hearts to hear and to know the voice of the shepherd. There's a story that at the end of World War I in the Middle East, in Jerusalem, there's a shepherd that recounts of this. Uh, it's written down where um, some soldiers came and went through the farm and drove away the shepherd's sheep. And as the sheep started going, the shepherd was aware of this. And what can the shepherd do? Well, what the shepherd did was started to give out the call that his sheep, who were well on their way out, on their way out being scattered, they heard the voice of their shepherd. And have a guess what happened. They stopped, they heard, and they returned. Because they knew the voice of the shepherd. The soldiers couldn't do anything because the shepherd all knew and they followed. Jesus wants us to have a relationship with him just like that. Because as I said before, there are competing voices every single day around about us. Calling for your attention. All you've got to do is turn your phone on and you'll see these targeted adverts from Mr. Google. How did Google know I was looking to buy an egg beater the other day? I didn't search it. The microphone. The microphone was listening. And so what happens, not just, let's say, with a phone or a TV or adverts you see outside. You know they have tailored advertising now that scan you in certain um, shopping malls uh, in the US, but it's coming coming over to other countries now, where they scan you and they, they look at what's your height, what's your gender, what's your approximate age, and then they tailor marketing based on what they see of you. The enemy does a similar thing where he, he's been around for a little while and he's paying attention to what your vulnerabilities are and what is most likely to distract you. Is it the gold? Is it the girls? Is it the glitz? Is it the glamour? What is it? And the enemy will try and work out, what is your Achilles? Let me see if I can distract you with a voice that will pull you away, pull your attention away from 
the voice of the shepherd. Here is a call this morning for us to not just watch the back door, but to also follow the right voice. How do we know his voice? How can we recognize? Well, Romans 12 tells us that by testing, we'll discern the will of God. How do my children understand the things that I'm probably going to say and not say? Well, because I've been with them for a while and they understand my tones, they understand um, the words that I use, they understand the types of things that I would say because they've been around with me long enough. How can we better hear and know the voice of the Holy Spirit? Spend more time in His presence. You know, it's it's, it's actually a well-known fact. I had a friend that worked in the fraud squad. He was one of the key... um, um, are detectives there at the fraud squad. And their job was to work out what fraudulent activity looked like. There are groups of people that uh, try and work out, well, what does counterfeit money look like? What does counterfeit checks look like? And, you know, the, the greatest single way for them to work out what counterfeit money or counterfeit checks looks like is by looking and studying the real thing. So with a, with, with a real $50 note, I don't have too many of them these days, but with a real $50 note, I can tell you what a fake one looks like because I've held a real one before. I've held it. I've seen it. I've, I've observed it. I've, I've seen its texture, its weight. And, and that's how people that identify counterfeit money or counterfeit checks identify what's real and what's not because they spend time studying the real deal. That's how we can understand what's fake and false. We spend time with the real deal. You know, this isn't just another book. Check out the Bereans. The Bereans in Acts, they would search through the scriptures to work out if what the apostles were saying lined up with what God was saying. They were testing. This is not just another book. This, as a literary composition, contains all forms of literature. You understand that, right? Sixty-six books put together over a span of about 2,000 years and the odds of its harmony go beyond any rational explanation. History, poetry, proverbial sayings, hymns, letters, laws, parables, prophecy, drama, all forms of literature in a book that is not just full of words. With God, it is life. If you want to know what God's voice sounds like, have a look at what he wrote. Because his voice sounds like what he wrote. And if you're ever confused, go back to this incredible thing. It's amazing. It's holy. Learn to hear and follow his voice. Here's something else we read. When he speaks, when he calls... You know, he calls by name. You know when Jesus calls you, that when the shepherd calls you, it's by name. It's not like just, boy, you. Hey, matey. It's, 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 it's by name. It's Trudy. It's Jason. It's Andrew. It's Sue. It's Candace. It's Teresa. It's, it's, it's by name. And what's the interesting thing about our incredible shepherd is when he calls to you, he didn't just, just call at you. He doesn't just bark at you. That's not what the shepherd does. Check out in John's gospel when he talks to other sheep. They're actually prophetic turning points for them. 
when he calls them by name. Think about Mary Magdalene. Think about Philip. Think about Simon Peter. Think about Thomas. They are turning points. They they provoke something internally. When the shepherd calls you by name, something shifts. If you're in your life and you feel like you're just stuck, look for the voice of the shepherd. Listen out for him to call you by name. Because his word is not just about volume, it's about grace and empowerment. Have you heard him call you by name just yet? Let him call to you, let him lead you. We have a shepherd who lovingly leads. He doesn't just bark, he doesn't just yell, he doesn't just bully. He's not a shepherd that that, that pushes you. He's a shepherd that comes alongside and lovingly leads you. So when he calls to you, follow. So it says he gives this um, he gives this this story about how it says you know there's, there's a sheep pen and he says they know his voice they won't follow a stranger. But it says in verse 6, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then it says this, I'm going to read from the message, uh, verse 6 to 7, and then it says this, Jesus told this simple story then, they had no idea what he was talking about, so we tried again, I'll be explicit, Jesus says, I am the gate, I am the gate, I'm not just the shepherd, I'm now the gate. I'm not just the shepherd that calls at the gate, he says, I am the gate, it's me. All those others are up to no good, sheep rustlers, every one of them, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal and kill, destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. This is what he's saying. Can we show the image, please, Phoebe? Jesus is saying now, he's not just the shepherd that comes to the gate, he now is the gate. He's the gate, that's what he's saying. He's the gate. And he says, there's no way except through me now. There's no way. John 14, Jesus reinforces this, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. There is no way to the Father except through me. And I'm here to tell you, friends, there is a gospel that that is still permeating, even gaining momentum in some certain uh, spheres of Christianity that says that there is more than just one way to the Father. That's not what the Bible says. I'm sorry to tell you. Oh, no, I'm not sorry at all. You can't get to the Father. You can't inherit eternal life through any other way except by Jesus. You can't. It's impossible. Either Jesus was, 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 was making a misstep when he says that, or he was true. When he says, I'm the gate, it's through me. I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. You cannot find eternal life in Taoism or Buddhism or Shintoism or, or, or you, you name any. Or, or Team Jedi, if you're part of that Jedi religious faith order. It, it, you can't do it. It's not through good deeds. It's, universalism is a non-existent reality. It's not True, unless someone comes to Christ Jesus, repents of their sins, receives forgiveness and inherits eternal life, you cannot exist beyond this reality. You can't. 
Maybe you're here today and you've thought you could just add Jesus to your whole range of other beliefs. Can't be done. Jesus is not an additive. He's a replacement. It's get rid of your stinky thinking and self-righteous ways. That is, trying to earn your way into God's good books. If I go to church three or four times out of four, then, then, then I'll be a good Christian. I'll, I'll, I'll win my way into eternal life. If I read my Bible so many times in a week, then I'll... I'll, I'll That's called self-righteousness. Those things can be helpful, but that's not how you get saved. It's only through a relationship with Jesus. Do you know him? Have you heard his voice? Have you heard him call to you? Or are you just playing church? It's getting a bit quiet. Are we still friends? We were never friends. So listen out for the voice that matters. Perhaps he's calling you today. Final point. Let Christ impart life. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as my father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is talking here about someone that just works as a hireling or who's paid, who's only there for the money versus a shepherd, a true shepherd who would lay his life down. How can you tell if you're dealing with a true shepherd or a hireling? Or when trouble comes, when the wolf comes, you'll see if they're still standing. Because a true shepherd, when a wolf comes, will be there to fight for you. But a hireling will run because they're only in it for themselves. As a father of my girls, there is no way that if trouble comes, I'm out the door. Can you imagine if someone breaks into my home as a father? What am I going to do? Run out and leave my vulnerable kids at home? No. I love them too much. It's love that drives me. It compels me to stand and fight for them. And we have a shepherd who fights for us. In fact, he fought for us so much, it says that he gives up his life. How do do we get life and life abundantly? How does it happen? He doesn't just say, here, here's life. I'm I'm just going to speak some words over you. He gives us of himself. He imparts of himself. We have a true shepherd that gives of himself to us. Let's fast forward a little bit to verse 27 of the same chapter. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. He imparts of himself. What does he impart of himself? He imparts the fullness of himself. Life. He gives it as he comes to live in, dine with and experience fullness through us, we receive the abundant life. So imagine we have a shepherd. Jesus says, I am a shepherd. I am a gate. We also see that he says, I am life, and I am the resurrection life in the next chapter. He's all of those things. But what he's, what he's saying is he's like, look, if I'm a shepherd, you guys are sheep. You sheep will learn to hear my voice. You'll follow me, and you'll know I'm going to give up my life for you. And not only are you going to stay alive, you're going to live abundantly. 
So what does an abundant sheep look like? (laughs) It's interesting that Jesus, on a number of occasions, refers to his people as sheep. They're quite a common animal. Not a glorious animal. But I tell you what sheep do. Sheep understand their vulnerabilities and follow a shepherd. So what what would a sheep living the abundant life look like? It would be a nice chubby little lamb or a little sheepy. What would it look like? Would would, would it be a, a, a sheep with lots of curly flowing wool? We'll have a beautiful afro, nice and clean, no dag hanging anywhere, nice and clean. Would that, would that a sheep? Would that, would that be what a sheep living the abundant life would look like? Would it, would it be a sheep with a wool with beautiful lanolin coming through its fleece? What, 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 what would it look like? Is that what Jesus is talking about? Jesus is actually not saying that. Jesus is not saying you're, you're going to be the best fed of my people, you're going to be the most wealthy of my people. He's not, he's, he doesn't say that you'll be free of, of trouble or trial or tribulation. When Jesus says you're going to live the abundant life, my pure little lambs, he, he's not saying that it's going to be cushy, comfortable, or even that you're going to live long and prosperous lives. That's actually not what Jesus is saying. He's talking about sheep that understand their contentment, their satisfaction, and their fulfillment come from him so a sheep living the abundant life is a sheep that is well led well fed and well protected so God wants us to understand what this looks like that we are well led by our shepherd that we are well fed by our shepherd that we are well protected by our shepherd but if we try to live in the desires of this world and we are discipled by the world the world will tell us the only way that you can possibly think abundant living looks like is you've got to have you've got to have a lot of money in your bank account you've got to have, have have really good cars you've got to have your mortgage paid off and can I just tell you you can have all of those things and still be suffering on the inside I know very wealthy people that are alone on the inside they're not living the abundant life the world may think they know themselves that they're not. It's a false promise. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though it happens, it's going to happen, not if, but when, even though I do it, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. And it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the hard times are going to come, but the shepherd is with us and he's going to comfort us in the middle of that. And then it says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, not in the absence of my enemies, in the presence of my enemies. That means we're going to have enemies, but right when we're there in the middle of that tribulation or that trauma or that trial, in the middle of it, he prepares a table before us. And then it says... You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. 
Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen to that. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I don't pursue goodness and mercy because that's, that's, that, that, that's, we might think that's abundance. No, I follow the shepherd. I follow him. And you know what follows me? Goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So don't pursue goodness and mercy. Follow Jesus. Follow the shepherd. Listen out for his voice and do what he tells you. And then we experience abundant living in him. This is what John Piper says, and I'm almost done. If I can have the musos come up, please. John Piper says, very simple quote, which I remembered many years ago, and I've just been chewing on it ever since. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Jesus is not just most glorified when we're healthy and wealthy. It's when we have a deep contentment and satisfaction in him and our rest comes from him. As a father with my girls, my role is to not keep them from hard times. If everything's always comfortable and cushy, how would they possibly learn resilience? As a father, I'm there for them though. And I love them. But one of the greatest, most rewarding things for me to see of my girls is when they're just chilled and relaxed. When they're just relaxed. That no matter what season they're in, they have a sense of security in their identity. And I wonder if the Father is like that with us. No matter what we've gone through in life, can we find fulfillment, satisfaction and contentment in Him? Maybe you've come in this morning, you just dragged yourself into this room. You're not even sure why you're here. You feel battered and bruised. I want you to know something. You can still feel those things, not dismissing those things, but sitting in those things, but still tap into a sense of contentment that the shepherd provides, a fulfillment that the shepherd provides, a satisfaction that only the shepherd can provide. You can co- those things can totally coexist in you, that in the midst of the storm, you can be fast asleep. And when the shepherd gives you something like that, no one else can take it away. If the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. But if the shepherd gives it, they can't touch it. Have you received that yet? Do you know the voice that calls to you? In John chapter 11, Jesus follows this theme. John does in the conversation with Jesus, he calls to Lazarus. He calls to Lazarus. You know that passage in Lazarus? Lazarus was dead for four days. So much so that he stinketh. Yet the Bible says he stinks. And there was weeping and there was sadness. And Jesus, the shortest verse in the whole Bible, Jesus wept, it says. John chapter 11. And then he calls out to the tomb. Lazarus, come out. The shepherd calls the name of Lazarus. He calls him by name. He says, come out. And Lazarus, hearing the voice of the shepherd, receives life. Because Christ imparts of himself to a dead man. Lazarus comes out, bound. Jesus says, unbind the man. And he lives. Are you in a season right now where you just need to hear the voice of the shepherd call you by name? 
come out from the tomb. Come out. Come forth. Get out of there. Maybe you've been trying in your own strength to do it and God's saying, let me call you. Stop trying to call yourself. Let me do it. Listen to my voice. Stop trying what Dr. Phil's saying, what Oprah's saying. Don't worry about what news.com.au expert uh, psychologists are trying to tell you to do. Listen to me. I will speak to you. I will strengthen you. I will grace you. I will empower you. My word gives life. Have you heard his voice yet this morning? Let's stand up together as we pray. We're going to pray in just a moment. An invitation is given. And if you can, on your seats, there'll be a little communion. We're going to finish with this just now. All this is possible because the shepherd laid down his life for us. We read that already. I lay down my life for my sheep. Communion is all about celebrating what he has done. When Jesus gave up his life on a cross, it was a criminal's death. He was the sacrificial lamb, it says. He was the lamb that was slain for us. When we have communion, we are declaring and even celebrating what he has done for us. So in your hand, you'll have a, shake it up first before you take it, that I can tell you. Give it a good shake. Here we go. Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. Tastes a lot better if you shake it. Grab yourself a little cracker out of the top. And just before Jesus died, 1 Corinthians 11 tells us about this. Jesus was at this supper, this last supper they call it, predicting his death. And he tells us, he, he got some bread, they pass it around, they share it, he broke the bread and he says, take this and eat it in remembrance of me. It symbolizes the body that is broken for you. The shepherd, our shepherd who laid down his life, who was all sheep, who was slain, the lamb that was slain. He gave up his life for us. His body was broken for us that we could live. And when you take, we've got a little wafer, but when you take a bread or a wafer or whatever it is um, that you're choosing to remember him by, we are doing this together and we're saying, thank you so much for laying down your life for me. Thank you so much. As you're ready, why don't you just get and uh, just take it and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for up your life for us. Thank you for laying down your lives. Thank you, Lord. It says in the same way he took the cup, the cup. The cup chose us, it pointed for us to remember the blood that was spilt for us, the loss of life for us the cup of the new covenant of grace. And so he lost his blood for us that by grace we are forgiven, by grace we are set free. When you're ready, why don't you take that and say, thank you, Lord, for giving up your life for me. We're going to pray and what I want to do 
is I want us, as we've done this now, to ask God to breathe and speak life into parts of our hearts where we're living in a tomb. Just one word from Him. Just one word can change everything. Father, right now we stand before You in Your presence and we ask where there are dead zones in our lives, where there are carcasses maybe that stinketh. Lord, we ask, would you speak life now over those things, those places, those relationships in your heart right now? Why don't you bring before God anything you feel where you need Him just to speak life, bring life. Thank you, Father. Just bring that before the throne room of grace. Father, we we bring these people, places, and situations before you right now. And Lord, we need your life, your resurrection life, your new life, your good life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, right now I ask that your Holy Spirit would... um, would seal the ministry of your word and Lord would in our hearts teach us to remember that it's only you that gives, brings and speaks life. Lord, it it can't be found anywhere else except from you. So Lord, we look to you and we say thank you for life. May we each and every day walk out the reality of the resurrected life through our good shepherd. We thank you, Father, for it. We thank you for it. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.